We've been studying through the book of James for some time, and we are beginning a new section in the fifth chapter. James 5, beginning with verse number 7. And James writes, Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. And see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable or its precious crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Steady your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge stands at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered, and you have heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Wow, James is going to talk to us about the power of patience. The power of patience. In these few verses, he gives us three encouraging examples of patient endurance. He'll talk about the farmer, and we'll, touch, we'll start the farmer tonight. Then the prophets, and then Job. And then Job. Now, if you've been with us, you know, James just got done dealing with some oppressors, and now he's going to talk to the oppressed. He's still addressing the suffering saints, and he's writing now, be patient. And you'll see, be patient. Three times in just the verses we'll study tonight, five or six in this whole section. And previously he was warning the oppressors that judgment was coming, but now he's encouraging the suffering, be patient. Don't throw off restraint. Don't give in to despair. Be patient. Wait on God. And now the verb here describes an attitude of self-restraint that does not get even for a wrong that's been done. And usually when this word is used, it's used as long-suffering patience towards people rather than circumstances or things. Dealing with people here. Endurance. Being slow to anger or despair. See, both sides of that. Patience. You stay steady. You stay faithful. Amen? You don't give in to despair and give up. You don't blow up and give in to anger and bitterness. That's what patience does. The Lord is coming. Um, and again, to endure under great stress in a godly manner. You can remember back in the military days, and you'd hear those sergeants say, keep your military bearing. Keep your composure. And this is what patience does. Helps us keep our Christian composure. Because I've seen some Christians act not too Christian-like when they got under pressure or they got, you know, offended or they were suffering unjustly. But here, James is saying, if you'll, if you'll wait on the Lord, he'll defend you and he'll bring you through. And if you activate patience, and we can all do that because isn't patience fruit of the Spirit? So if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you have the ability to be patient and trust God in that situation. He says, if we walk in patience... We'll keep our Christian composure and our military bearing, so to speak. So again, God is not going to right all wrongs in this world. How many know that? And the sooner we recognize that, the easier it is to get over it and give it to God and press on. God is not going to right all wrongs in this world until Jesus comes. I still remember years ago, 40 some odd years ago, Pastor Beach talking to a a young, a young man, he seemed older then, but now looking back, he was just a young man, and um, he wanted justice in a certain area. He was done wrong in one of those marriage scenario things. He was done wrong. And finally, Pastor Beach said, Son, you better face it. Chances are you're not going to get justice on this side. So get over it. 
get forgiveness going, and start walking in the victory, you'll never get beyond that point. And that's what James is dealing with here. So again, God's not going to right all wrongs until Jesus comes back. And we must patiently endure as we expect the Lord to defend us and work through us and take care of our enemies for us. We must patiently endure hardships and heartaches. You know, Jesus was called the suffering servant, wasn't he? It's part of the fellowship of his suffering. So again, James wants to give us three encouraging examples of patient endurance. Farmer, the prophets, and Job. So we look at the farmer, verses 7 through 9, the farmer. Now, a farmer needs patience. I mean, a farmer has to wait while he works. farmer needs patience for things. They don't grow overnight. And many things that affect the growth, the farmer really has no control over. The weather, the water, the sun, the cold, the pests, and all those different things. Well, that farmer has to be selling that patience, right? Because, again, he wants a crop. He wants his crop, and he's got to work for it. But a lot of things are beyond his control, and so he's got to wait for the seasons and wait for the timing. He has to wait, but he knows the harvest will come. And when it comes, it's precious. NIV says valuable. King James, precious. I love that, precious. You know, the harvest is worth waiting for. The harvest of souls is worth praying for. It's worth paying the price for. It's worth fighting the devil for. Amen? The harvest of souls. And again, all that fighting, all these years, and your brother coming to Christ. Brother coming, opening up. You see, the harvest is worth it, isn't it? The, the, The tears are worth it. The intercessions are worth it. The waiting and trusting and believing, they're worth it. We must patiently, with enduring faith, wait for the Lord to deliver us and to defend us. Let's look at a very familiar group of verses. I've grown up in the church. It's one of the verses I think we heard a lot, but it's good for us to look at. Romans 12. Go to if you would, to Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. Because I don't know about you, but if you, you live in the world I live in, you'll, you'll deal with some injustice in your life. People will say things about you that might not be true. People will do things that they should not ought to do. There's been times that people that maybe have, have you know, some authority in a certain way do you wrong. Amen? But the Bible teaches us how we face these things. Now, James' group, you know, they, they had no legal remedy really to take. We've studied this. The courts were controlled by the money, and they didn't have the money. So really, they did not have, man, if you can answer back properly, well, defend yourself. But a lot of times in this world, you just get the short end of the stick. And God says, when that happens, you've got to trust me. And you've got to walk like someone that knows me and not act like the world. In fact, the Bible says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's the world's way of doing things. That's how the old us used to live. Amen? But now we're, we're serving Jesus. Now we're, we're following Christ. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Watch how you carry yourself. You know how much the devil would love to ruin your testimony? Think about some of you that worked in that job all those years, trying to be a good testimony, right? Trying to witness to people, trying to... Don't you know the devil would just love to blow your testimony? In all those years of sowing seed and inviting people, he could wipe it right out. And he'll do that by prodding and baiting and trying to get you in the flesh. But the Bible says don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful. You go the extra mile. Stay in the spirit. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do your very best to be a peacemaker. Amen? Do your very best to take the high road. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And we need to do our best to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness, to walk uprightly in godliness, amen, and entrust things like that to God, amen? All right, all right, all right. Now, waiting is demanded, and waiting is worth it. There we go. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Stay in the spirit. Go the extra mile. Try to win them over with love, amen? Pray for those that abuse you. Pray for those that weren't good to you. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll, you'll heap burning coals on his head. You'll bring him to a place, hopefully, of feeling ashamed. That's what that means. You'll bring him to a place uh, of feeling uh, bad because you're taking the high road and you're walking in love, even though they didn't walk in love towards you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not with flesh. So again, that's, a, that's a, just a foundation verse for this topic of the power of patience and how we deal with our injustice. How does a Christian act when someone's done them wrong? Someone lied about you, someone stole from you, someone cheated you. This is some thoughts here. Again, waiting is demanded and waiting is worth it. The secret of one of the secrets we have of endurance is simply that remember, God is producing a harvest. As you walk by faith, God is working. God is working. Remember Calvary? It didn't look good, but God was working. So when you're going through something and you choose to walk in love and walk in faith and let God fight your battles, God is working. You can take that to the bank. God is working. And God will. He'll settle all accounts. God will settle all accounts. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And God knows how to deal with it. God knows how to deal. He does it his way, and his way is always the perfect way, but God knows how to defend his people. Notice how it says, patiently the farmer waits, he works, and he walks. Patiently he waits. This we submits to the timetables of the seed and the harvest. Amen? He can't just sow the seed today and tomorrow go out there and say, yippee, I'm going to get a crop. It doesn't work that way. There's a waiting period depending on what he sowed. Isn't that true? But while he waits... See, waiting is not laziness. While you wait, you work. While you wait, you got to get water that thing and weed that thing and hold that thing. See, now, there's waiting properly. Waiting properly, I stay faithful. I stay believing. I stay walking with Christ as I should. So he, he, he waits and he works and he walks. He walks what? In the Spirit. Because notice what James said in that, I believe it's the ninth verse. He says, and don't grumble about those things. Don't grumble against each other. No, no, stay in the spirit. That farmer, what a thought, what a thought. He's going to wait, and he's going to work, and he's going to walk. But let's notice some things here. Oh, oh. Let's look at wait. I want to wait properly. In the face of a people that were being treated unfairly, James calls him to be patient, remember the Lord is coming, and wait. And again, our thought here is, how do I wait properly? How many know there's a right way to wait, and there's a wrong way to wait? And you look at some of these wonderful Bible heroes, like Joseph, and how he waited properly all that time. How he, how he dealt with 
unfairness and, and being lied about and so forth. Amen? And you see how, how God finally, and you, and you see that. Then you see other people. King Saul just gave in to impatience, didn't he? And he just totally went, went backwards. And when he couldn't wait on God, he got ahead of God and he sinned against God. But I want to wait properly. I want to stay faithful. I want to stay in the spirit. I want to stay believing. The farmer waits, and James is saying, Christian, learn how to wait. It's a key to your blessing. We want to wait for the harvest. We want to wait for our vindication. We want to wait for our ultimate deliverance and victory from this present world. And we want to wait expectation faithfully, not passively or lazily. Let's start out. Let's wait for your harvest and your answer. Some people miss out, miss out on God's blessing because they're not willing to wait for the harvest to come. Galatians 6 and 9. Galatians 6 and 9. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the due season or the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we don't give up. How many people don't get their harvest because they give up too soon? Amen? They, they, they don't know how close they are to that miracle, to that breakthrough, to that answer, and they give up. I someone says, I didn't give up. No, you blew up, and that's just as bad. You got in the flesh, and you know, you started, instead of believing God, you started acting like the world, and you killed your harvest. You can get disqualified from your harvest if you don't wait properly. Waiting is not just a putting in time. You can put in time and go to hell. It's what you do during the wait. Are you faithful during the wait? Are you obedient during the wait? Come on, say amen to that. Don't forfeit your harvest because you cannot wait properly. Exercise proper patience. Exercise proper patience. God has a timing, and you and I have a duty and a responsibility. God has a timing. You and I have a duty and a responsibility. Waiting is not, I see some people, you know, it makes you sad, but I can only talk out of my own experience as a preacher. But when someone is telling me something, God spoke to me all these years ago, he's going to use me. They don't even go to church for the last 20 years. And sometimes if I don't know them enough, I'll just shrug it off. If I know them enough, I'll just say, what are you, nuts? That, that, you know, there's an expiration date on that promise. And you fool around long enough, and you might as well kiss it goodbye. Waiting doesn't mean just being frivolous. Waiting means enduring and seeking and praying and staying faithful to God. Amen? Amen. So again, exercise proper patience. God is a timing, and you and I have a duty and a responsibility. And and there's a warning in Galatians 6 and 9. Beware, because weariness is a real danger. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let's be honest. You can get weary in doing good. Anybody? Especially when you do good and it seems like all you do get back is bad. You know, you ever try to minister? You know, there's something about being involved as, 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 as a Christian. Your growth is hindered if you're not involved in some kind of ministry. There are certain places of growth that you'll only get as you serve. There are certain aspects of the fruit of the Spirit you will, ne- you will never tap into. If you don't serve, you got to know what it is to study and pray your brains out. Sacrifice your time and have no one show up. You have to do your best to give money and this and that to people. And then six months later, they just, you know, call you every name in the book. And if you, oh, you haven't lived if you haven't. Jesus, he healed them all and they crucified him. 
He fed them and they left him when the party stopped. Come on, say amen. And so there's certain things and certain depths of maturity you'll never reach if you don't serve. Because in serving, you grow like you can't grow in other places. You know, you learn to serve somewhere, amen? That'll do more than getting bopped on the head and laying out for 10 minutes. I mean, God bless everyone that gets bopped on the head. I wish everybody get bopped in the head a little more around here, but you know what I mean? Um, but serving is something that God will take you deeper in that. He'll mature you in that. You'll learn how Jesus loved people and got rejected. We talk about, I want to be like Jesus, do you? Whew. To really be like Jesus, we got to go through some things that Jesus went through. Are you with me? So there's a warning here. Don't become weary, but we can become weary. Do things in your life that, that defeat weariness. Make sure as you wait, you're doing things. that Stay spiritually hydrated. You go on those long marches. You hear them drill sergeants. Drink, drink. Don't wait for you to get thirsty, you dumb old private. You know, they use some other. Their, their language is a little more flowery than I can preach here. But, you know, drink. Don't wait till you're thirsty. Keep hydrated. Keep hydrated. You see, you, you, you're going to wait on a promise? You get around people that are going to encourage you. You stay faithful to God's house where the power is. Amen? You, you stay in that word. You stay in prayer. You do the things that fight the weariness. Because the Bible, if the Bible says don't become weary, that means there's a real danger that we can become weary in our pursuit of God, our endeavor to please God, and fight this good fight of faith. So I want to do things that overcome weariness. I mean, let's face it. Have you ever seen people that got in a mess and quite frankly, you weren't surprised? Let's be honest. You can be honest. You're in church. You might have felt bad for them, but you weren't surprised by it. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying we were happy for it. I mean, we felt bad for them, but we weren't surprised by them. It just makes sense. Because you see there, yeah. So again, I want to structure my life in a way that will overcome weariness. Because the Bible just told me that weariness is a real threat to the child of God. And weariness is one of the things that hinders people from waiting until the harvest comes. Some people give up. Some people backslide. Some people just blow up instead of enduring and waiting. You think so many times, we've all heard so many testimonies of, of men and women that have prayed for their spouses. And some of those testimonies or children. It was literally years and decades. And then they finally got saved. And I always said, thank God they didn't stop praying. Thank God they didn't stop believing. Thank God the one that was saved didn't decide, well, I'm not going to church either. And maybe they squeezed in, but that other spouse never would have came around. So again, if I'm going to reap a harvest, I've got to learn how to wait properly. And waiting properly doesn't mean being complacent or callous or carnal. That means I'm going to stay faithful and believing and trusting and walking with God. Can you say amen? So number one, waiting is important because waiting helps me to receive the harvest and the answer that God has. Secondly, waiting allows me to allow God to deal with my enemies, with justice and vindication. Psalm 37, turn with me to Psalm 37. And let's, waiting is important. Waiting is important. Oh Lord, teach us how to wait properly. Teach us how to wait spiritually. To wait, oh Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7 through 10. David says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still. 
chill out. Stop getting so stirred up. Amen? Be still. Wait patiently. Do not fret. Anybody guilty of fretting? Stop fretting. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways. They can get you mad sometimes, can't it? <laughs> Isn't that right? They're living like the devil. It seems like they're getting the blessing. You're trying to live for God, and it seems like... Have you ever been there? Yeah, you were living in the same world I'm in, aren't you? All right. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Stay in the spirit. Do not fret. Here it goes again. Stop that fretting. It leads only to evil. Isn't that true? We fret long enough, then we start complaining. We know complaining sin, isn't it? We all deal with that. Isn't that right? Yeah. Verse 9, for evil men will be cut off. God's going to deal with them in his time. Amen? But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. And though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Wait patiently for God to defend you. Wait patiently. For God to give you justice his way and in his time. Don't let such things embitter you or cause you to seek personal vengeance or get bitter and critical by it. Don't let the devil's crowd embitter you. Stay sweet. Stay full of the Spirit's peace and joy. God will deal and God will defend and God will vindicate his people in his own way and in his own time. What am I supposed to do? Don't fret. Wait patiently on the Lord. Give it to God. Let him fight that battle. Amen. I do my part to pray for them that abuse me. To walk in love. And I give it to God. And he deals the way he wants to deal with. I've seen God take people home. I've seen God turn people. Save people. I didn't think I'd get saved. You know what I mean? I mean, I've seen. I don't, you don't know how God. God knows everything. Isn't that right? I've seen him take them home. They're gone. He is a killer. Oh, he still takes them out. He's a holy God. We've lost that in our theology nowadays, but we better get that back in there. But also, I've seen him melt hearts that you never thought could melt. Turn lives around that you said, you've got to be kidding, Lord. Amen? That's what I learned a long time ago. There, there, there are certain people I want, um, I want to put a boot somewhere, and God wants to give them a hug. Uh, 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 other ones, I'm ready to hug. God says, I'm going to give them a boot. Uh, I'm seeing beyond you, son. So I just learned to walk in love and pray for everybody. Amen? And let God do all that stuff because he knows everything. But let's get back here. Stay in the spirit and entrust such things to God. Don't throw off moral restraints. And listen, don't take the bait. Tell someone next to you, don't take the bait. Because, oh, I'll tell you, when the devil's crowd starts getting blessed, it's easy to get a little grumbly, amen? When the devil crowd starts saying their slide remarks, it's easy to want to... Shoot back. I don't know about you, but I am. I don't know what you're made of, but I want to give him a piece of, you know, and the Lord says, hush. Hush. Waiting, 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 waiting. Enduring the timing of God for harvest and for answer. All right? Enduring the timing, right? Continuing to do good while I wait. Well, I don't backslide while I wait. I don't give up. I just see some people, you, you give them some honor and they're all faithful in church. You want them just to come and serve somewhere where no one sees them. Oh, you got to run them down every three weeks. Send them a card, a note, a pizza pie, and something else. My Lord, have mercy. Isn't that right? But God said, no, while you wait, I want you faithful. 
While, while you wait, I want you to be there. I want you to be counted on. Amen? Hallelujah. Waiting is enduring. Waiting is continuing. Waiting is believing that he is coming. The Lord's coming is near, James said. The Lord is coming, and he will deal, and he will deliver you. And he'll answer you. We've got to wait. Why do I have to wait? I've got to wait for my harvest. Don't lose your harvest, but you're not willing to wait the way God wants you to wait. Don't, don't disqualify yourself from God's blessing and promise, but you won't wait. Secondly, waiting so God can vindicate you. So God can defend you. Amen? I want to wait for my ultimate deliverance from this place into the place of glory. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. This is the verse. When we get done, this is when you really want to sing, it will be worth it all <laughs> when we see Jesus. Amen. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Well, we're going to a better place. We're living under a different law. We're serving a different Lord. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await. We wait that say, Amen. We're waiting. Eagerly awaiting. Eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. We're waiting for that, aren't we? Now let me, let me look at that word, wait. Eagerly wait. Now the verb here is found in most passages dealing with the second coming. And it expresses the idea of waiting patiently but with great expectation. You see, our, our waiting is not complacent. Our waiting is an expectation. Amen? We're expecting the Lord. We're believing the promise. We're not just waiting, uh, oh, hum. No, it's like, it's the waiting, you know, when the kids, the grandkids are traveling and they're going to show up late Friday night. You're not quite sure when they're in. You're alert to any noise, amen? You're, you're waiting for them to pull in. And before those days of cell phones, when sometimes you didn't know when they were just down the street, you were waiting, but you were waiting with an expectation, with an anticipation, with an alertness. Are you with me? That's why this Laodicean church, they're slumbering. Jesus is coming, so many aren't ready. For those that really love the Lord, the waiting is an anticipation, an expectation, and a motivation that we're waiting for him and we're living for him. And if he comes, he's not going to catch us unaware, asleep, without our oil. Amen? He's going to catch us ready to receive him. That's enough. Wait. Why do I wait? Because I'm waiting with an anticipation that this world's not our home. We're just passing through. You see, friend, there, we receive tremendous energy in this present moment as a result of our future hope and our future expectation. When someone really believes God will defend me, God will answer me, God will bring me through, God will. That steadies us and that strengthens us. Amen? I know in the end the Lord will vindicate. In the end the Lord will bring us to a better place. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then you know the Bible says about Jesus for the joy set before him. He endured that cross because he knew 
what was he, he looked beyond that. It gave him strength to go through that. Are you with me? And because we know what's coming, it gives us an endurance to press through the things we have to deal with in this life. Amen? Because we're waiting for him with an expectation, with an anticipation. Christ is coming. It won't always be like this. So that motivates us to keep believing and keep trusting. And when heartache comes, we get back up. When we mess, we get back up. Because we're waiting on him. We're trusting in him. Wait properly, enduring the timing, continuing to do good, believing the promise, staying faithful, staying in the Spirit, keep working, keep walking in the Spirit. I want to wait expectantly, not passively. I want to wait. It's when I wait on the Lord, it renews my strength. It refocuses my vision. It reclaims my perspective. Psalm 27, 13, and 14. Psalm 27, 13, and 14. Waiting. There's so many reasons. James said, like the farmer waits. Like the farmer waits. The Bible talks about waiting. And there's a right way to wait, and there's a wrong way to wait. But if we understand the right way to wait, it brings a lot of benefits into our hearts. Amen? It helps us to receive. I want to receive my harvest. I want to receive those things I'm praying for. Amen. So waiting is going to help me to do that. I'm going to overcome weariness. Waiting the right way will help me to do that. And I want God to vindicate. I want God to defend me. So I'm going to wait on God to do that. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm not going to pull Abraham and Sarah and try to manipulate the promise of God. And then they just cause a bunch of problems. Amen. But sometimes we get impatient, don't we? And then we try to make things happen instead of saying, Lord, you've got to do it your way. I'm waiting. I'm going to wait through all the negative things on this earth. Because I know he's coming back and he's taking us with him. You see that? Then waiting, again, waiting strengthens us. They that wait upon the Lord. Proper waiting means I keep clinging to God. I keep standing on his word. I keep praying and interceding. Amen? It means I keep praising him. Even when things around me don't look praiseworthy. Here at David says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What was some of the King James? Surely I would have fainted. I would have given up. I would have thrown in the towel if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he says, now, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. This is faith encouraging faith. Wait for the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord shall Renew their strength. Amen. He refocuses our vision. He reclaims our perspective. When I wait on God, that means I'm not just being passive. I'm not just going and getting carnal. Waiting on God means I'm drawing near to God. I'm clinging hard to God. I'm crying out to God. That's waiting. That's waiting properly. How did the writer say it here? All right. I'm going to restore my focus, revitalize my hope. Faith is expecting and believing, continuing to do good. Faith is praying and standing and encouraging myself. The first example James uses is a farmer that waits for the precious harvest. And we study, so help us to wait properly. Because waiting is important because God is a God of timing and seasons. We are impatient by fallen nature. But you know, one of the words that describes God often, God is patient. God is patient. 
It's a quality and attribute of God. And he wants us to be patient. Now, next time, we're, we're still going to still be with the farmer next time. But notice three times just in those three verses, 7, 8, and 9, be patient, be patient, be patient. Then, brothers, talking to the church, be patient. The Lord's coming, but God's going to come and take care of things. So you keep believing God, amen? You keep doing things God's way. It says, be patient. The rains are going to come and the harvest is going to bloom. Be patient and stand firm. That means steady your hearts. To be determined that I'm going to go through it with God. I'm not going to give up my hope. I'm not going to turn back and get ugly. I'm going to trust God and do things God's way. Patience. We're going to get to that next time the farmer is patient. And we're going to look at various things that patience does. Patience is a wonderful characteristic because patience allows God to work in me as he's working in my situation. Sometimes we get in God's way because we're impatient. Patience allows God to work. Amen. He can orchestrate things. He can deal with things. He can move. God is, but sometimes we, in our hastiness, we get in God's way because we can't wait. Many of breakthroughs, many of miracles have been lost because we weren't willing to wait and be patient and allow God to work. Amen? And you see in the Bible often, the Israelites grew impatient along the way and they started grumbling against God. Remember that? And God had to deal with them. And sometimes if we get impatient, we wind up getting a little cranky instead of praising him and trusting him. I mean, King Saul one time, he wants to go out to battle and he doesn't think Samuel's getting there quick enough. And so what did he do? He started offering the sacrifice himself, which he was not supposed to do. And God judged for it. Because he got impatient. He couldn't wait on God to do things the way God had prescribed. So there's power in patience. Amen? Because when we walk in patience, it will bring a calmness to the soul. Patience is a trust in God. Patience is a rest in God. You see, patience, when it's done properly, like waiting is done properly, it's committed that thing to God. It's we've done all that we can do, and then we just give it the rest of the Lord, and we just pay, watch him work, watch him weave, watch him orchestrate things. Oh, it's an awesome thing. But we have, that's power patience. We're going to talk about that next time. Power patience. Many promises don't get embraced because we didn't put faith and patience together. The Bible teaches that, doesn't it? We can go on and on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the example of the farmer. How the farmer has to wait while he's working, while he's dealing with things that are often contrary. He waits patiently for the precious harvest. And Father, we thank you for the harvest you bring into our lives, for the prayers you answered. And we pray, Father, as we go through this life, help us not to be a hasty people or an impulsive people. Help us not to get impatient along the way, but to keep our spiritual composure and to wait properly for you to work all things for the good, to defend us, to bring your good promises to us. Father, help us to learn and meditate more on the farmer, that we can glean more lessons on how we can walk with you in the spiritual realm. Because I know each one of us here has a harvest that we have not yet received. I know each one of us here 
have prayers that have not yet been answered. We've got souls that we've claimed that we've not yet seen come in. And Lord, help us to wait properly and not give in to the weariness so that in the due season we can reap that harvest and receive your divine blessing. Oh, Father, bless these dear ones. Give them a great week. In Jesus' name, and everyone say,